Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Oh, my life is changing every day in every possible way. Hello, and welcome to Little Marty, the only podcast on the internet dedicated to covering the works of Adam Sandler and Martin Scorsese. My name is Eric Halloween, and my name is Jeremy the Dog Barking. Hello, Eric. Welcome to the new year, the new beer. New New Year, new beer. That's what we uh, that's what we say over here on the uh, on the podcast. Yeah. We do and, one. Um, we drink one beer a year. Yeah, and we yeah, drink it if, slowly for twelve months. If you're new to the show, we usually open uh, the beer on our first episode of the year, right? And then we just leave it sit on our desks. Yeah, our we leave it sit there recording areas, <laughs> and we each take it. I gotta say, it gets really hard towards the end to like plan it's hard to plan for taking one sip of a beverage um what is it like 56 times over the course of a year Mm -hmm. because (laughs) when you're doing it at first i mean it's hard to like know how much liquid that it even is yeah it's hard to uh, measure so like like last year for example i finished my beer uh in july (laughs) right like like i was taking too big of swigs yeah, and that was a problem. Um, I had to yeah. I had to have a talk with Jeremy about that, and mm-hmm. uh, let's just say it won't happen again. Yeah, it won't happen again. You have my word. For him. Yeah, uh, Eric, um, how you feeling? By the way, I mean, I know I know that it's uh, you know it's a new year, but not everybody cares about the you know time and these tentpole moments, these New Year's holidays, what have you. How are you feeling? You know, I feel less depressed than I do at this time of year during most years. So oh, that's good. I, I would say pretty. I'd say I'm doing all right. Um, that's really positive. I think. You know, historically, I think I think this is going to be a good one for me. Um, you know, it's uh, it's all uphill for old, for for old uh, Eric Halloween. But uh, Jeremy, yeah, nothing can go wrong again. Absolutely not, uh, Jeremy. What 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 about you, man? How are you feeling about this new year? I've decided for really, I'm not sure why. No reason in particular to treat this new year as uh, as seriously as possible. To take this year as seriously as possible. So I'm mm. treating each day like it's a new kind of new challenge to make the right. absolute most of it you know treating new every new adam sandler movie we watch as a, a, a an important piece of um cinema history yeah yeah i mean absolutely yeah i mean uh yeah. totally yeah and with that comes you know being more present uh on this very podcast you know yes what are we talking about okay sorry i don't don't even know i can sort of like zone out to be honest 
Thomas. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, we are, I guess, you know, someone might be a fan. Hey, we might get a, get some like Kurosawa fans. Oh, you think this one and we can introduce them to who we are and, uh, you know what we do. So we, Mm. we, um, we, well, if you want to go back to the very beginning, we did start as a Chucky podcast, but there's only so many Chucky movies. Uh, so we had to move on to different directors. Now we're a Megan podcast. Yes, now we just, we just, we're, we're, yeah, we haven't updated the title yet, but our new podcast is Megan Minute. Yeah, the Megan and, Minute, yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, we, uh, you know, we, we kind of change, we're shapeshifters, Jeremy, we change uh, shape, we're, mm-hmm. they call us the chameleons, is what they yeah. call us. Which, um, it, no, you say chameleon, and I say chameleon, which one's right? Um... I guess uh, I don't know. I guess it depends. Like, what region of the you, country you're from? Yeah, what region? <laughs> what region you're from? Yeah. Um. Yeah, but we uh we w- at this point we're covering Adam Sandler and Martin Scorsese movies. Um, we've reached a point, um, in the chronological order where we have a lot more Sandlers to do than Scorsese's because Sandler is primarily an actor. And um, we are getting creative, you know. We're we're we still. I I believe Jeremy. We I mean we haven't covered the Irishman yet. I think there might be. Are there any others that we haven't covered of Scorsese's features yeah, that he's we need, directed? We need to cover the Irishman, and we need to cover one more Bob Dylan documentary. If our listeners uh, can stomach it, called the Rolling Thunder Review. I will say, in Rolling Thunder Review's defense, it's I think much shorter than uh, bringing it all. No, what is that called? Don't don't stop believing. No, what's the other one called? Oh, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> like it a Rolling Stone. Don't. Yeah. Oh, don't. Uh. Uh. It's like or something about home. Like a rolling. St- yeah. Uh, no direction home. That's it. yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's shorter go. than that. And dare I say, I prefer it. So um. Yeah. I uh. L- look out for at least those two. But I I I think while we whittle down the Sandlers, we're going to continue dooming episodes of uh Martin Scorsese's uh theatrical actor run. Um, and we won't do them yes. all because he's cameos and a bunch of stuff. And I kind of want to make it, you know, more where it's more of a meaty role uh, in whatever you know we're watching. But there's a few that definitely count that that are that are gonna be fun to cover. And uh, and other than that, but the real I feel like the real star of the show it has ha- is happening on our Patreon. Oh yeah, wait, who is that? <laughs> Who's the star? Oh, the star uh, at any given moment might changes, but it could be the Cohen brothers. Could potentially yes. be the star. We've been covering a lot of Cohen brothers stuff, and in fact, I believe we are kind of due to get back to the Cohens here pretty soon. Um, now that the holidays are over, and sort of our last couple themed months are 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 coming to a close. But yeah, typically we cover themes, so it'll you know d- d- you know on any given October we'll be covering horror films and. and any given Christmas, we'll be covering another Dolly Parton made-for-TV movie, for for example. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a myriad of bonus supplemental materials there at at Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy. I doth protest; it's just too much content. Too much Jeremy, content. You had me at 
a Dolly Parton made for TV movie now. How do I sign up? <laughs> you go to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy and you uh, sign up there at the, uh, you know, I whatever, t- what is it, a $5 tier? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. $5 gets you access to everything. It gets you um, access to everything. Come on. What are you waiting for? You know? Um, what are you waiting yeah, for, I say? It's a good time. It's a it's good a- time. And I got to say, Jeremy, um, you know, we, we're definitely going to re- reignite the coen brothers uh series we've been doing um i also i mentioned uh there is um a certain film a certain adam sandler film that uh listeners have been demanding oh that, uh jeremy specifically increases his his score for oh um, that's right <laughs> and uh by demanding i mean they it's bordering on bullying and uh you sure know what? i support it um, this this bullying I support. Um, yeah, it's the kind of bullying we like. But in in regards to that, I do have a a, a fun little uh, announcement on the Patreon. Ooh. Uh, so we uh. we got all sorts of weird stuff going on over there, and uh, as you can tell, um, we'll do anything that we're bullied into doing. So uh, you know. Yeah. Sign up for that Patreon. Yeah, we love it. We love harass the, bu- us. <laughs> yeah, bully us, harass us. Totally fine. Not a, not a problem. We love it. We like it. You know. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, with that too, like I feel like uh, we 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 will also have like a lot more to come throughout the year. You know, we're always sort of revising kind of what we're doing. Uh, what we're doing over there on the on the Patreon. It's a really good time. It's a fun time. So Oh yeah, it's a great time. So Jeremy, we are talking about um the film Dreams from nineteen ninety. Um I'm a little disappointed. I thought this movie was gonna be based on the the song by the Cranberries. Um but it's uh, uh, to be fair, not. we don't know whether it is or not. <laughs> That's true. Um <laughs> it's hard to tell. But I'll say this right away. You know, I'm a guy who likes movies. You can you can be a fan of like any art form at this point and you can go your entire life without experiencing like the greats. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. You can listen to music for a lifetime and never hear like uh Exile on Main Street or something. That's um, true. That's true. You know, something really good. So this is my uh, first time watching a Kurosawa movie, and um, after reading about it, probably a weird one to start with. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it depends on what you mean by that. Like, uh, just because his well, his just in terms of like it's were older. it sounds it sounds like it's much different than most of his work. Yeah, I, it definitely is. It's an anthology movie, which is not common, really, in anybody's filmography. And it's also got kind of got a, this experimental, you know, mm. avant-garde quality to it. So I totally get that. It's also a film that was made in the '90s, which is like, yeah. you know, Kurosawa's known for all of his stuff from you know what the '60s and the '70s. Like he's. Or I'm sorry, the '60s and like the '50s. He's like a uh, old timey director. He's directed, you know, Seven Samurai and R- Rashomon, and you know, uh, 
a, a number of other uh, classics. Yeah, yeah. Rashomon, Akiru, and Seven Samurai are, are in like the early fifties. So this is this is also like a revival picture for him because I think the story goes he had really a lot of trouble making films. Um, uh, after the sixties were over and like kind of like during the sixties. So. Uh, this was actually inspired by, um, you know, or with the help of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. They kind of like, I think all the directors of the 70s sort of got together and like tried and started to help Kurosawa like get financing to make movies because they were all big fans of his growing up. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. guess it is kind of a, a weird one to start with because it's it's also sort of like one of his last movies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess I'd agree with that. Um, do you have any interest in watching any of these any of these older movies? The uh, specifically Seven Samurai. I know that's the one everyone points to. Um, well, so here's here's what has prevented me from like going into getting into Kurosawa is I I, I don't like action movies, and <laughs> okay. my but my but that uh, opinion I've realized is based on. It, what it really is is I don't like American action movies, oh, um, yeah. so I don't know about samurai movies. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Uh, 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 I I don't know if I'll like them, and I'm I'm very curious now after watching Dreams because I think I mean I'll tell you right now I love this movie. I yeah, think this movie, movie is really really cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, I wonder if if uh, if if his, you know, samurai movies or other films um, satisfy my uh, ooh, I like uh, this uh, 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 <laughs> need in film to see something different and cool and beautiful, yeah, I'm in, my dude. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Yeah, I think this uh, definitely um, this film was. I wasn't surprised because you know I really like uh, Kurosawa you know but um but yeah i think i was a little overtaken by just how well i responded to this i you know a lot of films i think we can all agree you know we're we're all adults here right eric we can agree that uh that uh you know sometimes um Sometimes, like a good uh a film from the 50s and 60s maybe is a little boring a little bit sometimes maybe they're not always <laughs> super interesting uh or or sometimes they're kind of hard to get through um i find that you know uh of all the, of the kurosawa movies that i've seen um that's not really the case a lot of these are like really interesting and they're really easy to get through and they're really and they're and they feel like modern films i feel like a lot of modern cinema takes its cues from from the from the man himself kurosawa so um, right so yeah yeah i'm excited it take yeah, i i'm definitely uh whether we do it on the podcast or not i'm gonna i'm gonna go through and uh, you know i'll probably uh i don't know I, i'll probably start with like the you know the, the the rashomon and the ones that i that seem to be the most popular or whatever but i'm excited uh, for you dude i think i think i think you're gonna love it i think this is gonna be a new a new, a new cool era for your fil- for your oh, film yeah. liking. I also just ordered a sword, dude. No, I didn't. You got you you. That's I would have uh, boy. I would have uh, 
I would have loved if you did. <laughs> I was thinking about that recently. Like, I don't Buying think I know sword. anyone that owns <laughs> <laughs> that owns a sword. <laughs> totally, totally. As many, as many swords I've seen in movies, I like I've probably seen two like actual swords <laughs> in real life. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I but, I, I uh, don't I don't own any swords, but uh, it's not. There's nothing really stopping me. Um, so yeah, we're not, we don't have to go into, uh, you know, this isn't the Kurosawa podcast, so we don't have to like, no, no, go into too much of who he is, mostly because I don't know. And, uh, we didn't prepare for that, but, uh, (laughs) I do want to talk a little bit about, about dreams. So Kurosawa at this point is 80, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's an 80-year-old man making a movie about his dreams, which is very cool. David Lynch, please do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Dude, it's so funny you say that. This film kind of reminded me of a David Lynch movie. It Doesn't it have kind of a vibe that's a little yeah. bit Lynchy? Oh, it definitely does. I The idea of this movie, I want I want to see a bunch of directors do this. Yeah, me um, too. I didn't think so. I didn't read anything about this movie before I started it, and uh, by the time we got to like the third one, where the guys like walking through the snow, mm-hmm. the blizzard, I was like, "Wait, how do these all connect? Like, what is the story here?" And I didn't know until that point that this was a uh, sort of a series of vignettes or shorts or what have you. Yeah. Right. Um. And I think if I knew going into this that it's a movie where a director just like does little shorts based on dreams they've had, I think the idea of that probably would have like put me off a little bit for some reason. But actually seeing it done, I'm like, this is so cool. There are a a few, uh, I mean, I'll talk about, I'll, I'll point which ones there there were out, but there were a few where I was like, this reminds me a of dreams that I've had and B it captures like the feeling of certain dreams. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and to be able to experience the dreams of someone who is so like different than you too, like comes from a different country, a different generation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, um, I I also feel like I want to applaud this movie for, you know, <laughs> maybe you're the type of person who dreams a lot of the same kinds of dreams. These dreams all feel very different from one another. You know what I mean? Like, yes. th- th- it, it didn't feel like... Uh, uh, it felt like there, there's, a good, uh, there's a good mix here. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so let's see here. First film in forty-five years in which he was the sole author of the screenplay. Yeah, I was reading about that. It sounds like he uh, um, co-writes a lot, or maybe just directs other people's stuff. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think um, so. I I think, uh, and that's like Scorsese too, right? Doesn't doesn't uh, maybe write. All yeah, sure. Stuff. Kubrick. Yeah, Kubrick. A lot of people. Um, 
let's see. A lot of the production is stuff based on different shorts that I kind of want to talk about as we... Well, I guess we can get into some of them. Um, so, Sunshine Through the Rain, that first segment, or maybe the second, is a uh, uh, built exact near-exact replica of Kurosawa's childhood home. Um, they also build, in the Van Gogh one, Crows, the one Scorsese is in. Um, let's see. I thought I read something about them building a... Well, they they build a huge, you know, life-size uh, set of that painting or whatever. Um, ba, 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 ba. Segment of the blizzard may have been inspired by Kurosawa's personal life uh, since he confessed to being a devotee of mountain climbing. Um, let's see here. If there's any... Wild, wacky trivia. Um, Kurosawa had envisioned the role of Vincent Van Gogh being portrayed by Scorsese when he first wrote it, based on his first meeting with him seven years earlier. You know what? I a Scorsese rocks in this, and I yeah w- excited to see him acting in more stuff. Right. And B, um. I have no idea who Van Gogh, what Van Gogh looks like, and a lot of people probably don't. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. Whatever, even if yeah. I did know what he looks like, who cares? At least they did like the, um, the whole like, you know, making him look, uh, giving him like red hair dye and stuff yeah. on, his, on his beard and stuff. That was cool. Um, Kurosawa had trouble getting financing from studios in Japan, uh, blaming much of the political nature of his criticism of nuclear power in the film. Uh, he sent his copies of his script to, to Steven Spielberg, who liked it and helped get a deal, uh, with Warner Brothers. Yeah, that's, that was cool seeing the Warner Brothers logo pop up before the film. Oh, yeah. It was like, y- you know, who knows how many you know how hard that i mean it probably wasn't hard for steven spielberg you know but it's very cool yeah i they didn't really need to have bugs bunny pop up from behind it and bite a carrot but yeah that was kind of tasteless but (laughs) (laughs) um let's see Something, something, something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You want to just get into the it, let's get do into it. The film and, sure, yeah, let's sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very comprehensive Wikipedia plots for these, which I'm actually not gonna lie. I read some of these uh, while I was watching the film because um, I have a bad attention span, and uh, especially during these first uh, couple, when I was thinking I was watching like a narrative story. Um, I got very yeah. confused. I don't blame you. You know, I think that uh, even just watching films with subtitles or slower films or films from like bygone eras, it's a it's like a palette thing. You have to like adjust your palette to it, and sometimes it can take a couple of forced viewings to sort of get into the rhythm of like watching a classic sort of older movie or a, or a foreign film like this. So, uh, right. yeah, it took me. 
I let's see. I wasn't. I it, it I really got I think super hooked by the blizzard, so it took me the first two to get through before I. I was really like, wow, I'm loving this. Um, let's see here. Okay, well, the Wikipedia plot uh, says, you know, points out that there's no narrative, uh, and it's episodic in nature, following the adventures of surrogate Kurosawa. Uh, often recognizable by wearing uh, Kurosawa's trademark hat. Yeah, through eight so not a, segments or dreams. Not not unlike, um, which is a bucket hat, by the way, for the folks for the folks who haven't seen it. It's like a Gilligan's Island hat. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so not unlike something like an O Brother, Where Art Thou, or a Pulp Fiction or something. Like the stories don't necessarily tie together at all, but they are. It's like vignettes. It's like different little many short films kind of put together like creep show remember when we covered creep show oh yeah um wait i actually don't remember creep show what was that what did we not did we cover creep show i don't think we covered that did i I think i just watched it then maybe it was like uh the uh romero's tales from the crypt movie if we haven't covered it we should cover it yeah we should cover that yeah Sunshine through the rain. Uh, a young boy's mother tells him to stay at home during a day when the sun is shining through the rain, warning him that uh, Kitsun foxes have their weddings during such weather and do not like to be seen. He defies their wishes, wandering into a forest where he witnesses the slow wedding pr- procession of the Kitsun. Uh, he is spotted by them and runs home. His mother meets him at the front door barring the way and says that an angry fox has come by the house leaving <laughs> behind a tanto knife. The mother gives him the knife, gives the knife to the boy and tells him that he must go and beg for forgiveness from the foxes, refusing to let him return home unless he do- does so. She warns him that if he does not secure forgiveness, he must take his own life. Taking the knife, the boy sets off into the mountains uh, towards the place under the rainbow where the Kitsune's home is said to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's like sort of a live action fantasy sort of right away. I almost thought of like a Studio Ghibli film is kind of what this first one reminds me of. Uh, yeah. yeah. I thought it was, I, I was locked in right off the bat. Right away, you're into this. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Lo- I definitely, when we get into the woods and we see what the, so the foxes, when he, he finds these foxes, and for the listener, they are grown adults in like these uh, pa- almost like paper mache fox costumes, like yeah, masks or something. Confused by that. Um, but, you know, after about 20 minutes in when I realized everything's based on a dream, I was like, oh, okay, nothing yeah. means... <laughs> nothing, nothing, yeah, yeah. Every, nothing means everything. anything. Uh, um, but they, but, but they're cool. But they're this is very Lynch. This this is a, the first thing where I was like, oh right, like David Lynch kind of like you know the whole uh, I almost said Southland Tales, the whole uh, uh, what's it called? His last movie he made with the with the bunny faced people. Oh yeah, Inland Empire. Inland Empire. You know, it definitely takes nods from this. This is like you know, hey, look at those foxes, and you look over and it's a grown man in a fox mask. You're like, oh, there's something very unsettling about these foxes yeah um what i really like about this uh i mean there's some just amazing shots yeah it it just looks 
awesome. Um, but also like the choreography of the, mm-hmm. the dance towards the end, but also like the foxes, you know, wandering it, frolicking about in the, uh, in the woods. Right. Um, and just their movements and the music and, and the colors, uh, it's really cool. I don't know how else to describe it. It's great. Yeah, it's visually um, very arresting, very stunning. I love the like. I, I throughout, I there's a there's some like there's a lot of uh, themes of like nature and animals um, that I thought was interesting and cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't watch. Uh, if you can't tell, I don't watch a lot of Japanese cinema. Sure. Um, and I gotta say. I liked this, uh, this, this, uh, I like this style and I like the, the things that I, I feel like I'm, I was exposed to things in this movie that, uh, I wouldn't be exposed to from an American movie. Um, and also just like, uh, like, we, like we don't even, (laughs) without Kurosawa, we don't have Star Wars. Like Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress is what inspired George Lucas to make Star Wars. Like, it's it it seven samurai is basically what the dirty dozen i mean it's like it, it, he's he's a maestro this guy so it's like beyond it just being you know japanese cinema it's like he's the he is as he's a kubrick of of sorts in his field so kurosawa's like the man you know oh yeah and uh I'm liking it. Any uh, any any final thoughts about this uh, this segment here? No, it's great. It's a great way to start. I so going into the next segment. Do you think are these two t- connected? Because I kind of that's what I thought. Yeah, missed the title for the Peach Orchard, but I I missed the title card. So to me, it was part of the same sort of adventure. Like on his way to find the foxes, he he runs into these folks. <laughs> I maybe I'm wrong though. Right, I thought these. Yeah, I I know I had the same uh, the same feeling, um, but no, they're not. I I don't believe they're supposed to be connected. But uh, the Peach Orchard on the spring day of Hinamatsuri, the doll festival, a boy spots a small girl dressed in pink in his house. He follows her outside to where his family's peach orchard once was. Living dolls appear before him on the orchard slopes and reveal themselves to be the spirits of the peach trees uh, because the boy's family chopped down the trees of the orchard. The dolls uh, berate him. However, after realizing the boy loved the blossoms and did not want the trees to be uh, felled, they agree to give him one last look at the orchard as it once was. Uh, They perform a dance to Itinraku, uh, that causes the blossoming trees to reappear. The boys sees uh, the mysterious girl walking among the blooming trees and runs after her, but she and the trees vanish. Suddenly, uh, he walks sadly through the thicket of stumps where the trees have, had been until he sees a single young peach tree in full bloom sprouting in her place. Yeah, I guess I got this confused a little bit with uh, Sunshine Through the Rain, but I, I love this... Uh, Obviously, this whole dance uh, thing is, is is great. 
Um, yeah. I love how colorful <laughs> these two segments are. I mean, it just like looks like a rainbow, really. Yeah. Re- really, uh, and still maintains in both, uh, both Sunshine Through the Rain and the Peach Orchard, this unsettling feeling of like, what is this? Are they going to kill this kid? <laughs> like, what's, yeah. what yeah. is going on here? Like, that kid cry. Also, like, there's a very funny moment where the kid starts crying <laughs> and, like, all the living dolls just, like, kind of, like, look around at each other like, yeah, we should probably... <laughs> probably make him feel better i don't know <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's very uh, this this sort of the choreograph the choreography in this segment is really great too like the last segment and then just sort of like them all being replaced with little stumps is like also kind of unsettling i i, I really like that you, you mentioned this at the beginning but he he kind of captures like the spirit of a dream like how things just sort of happen in dreams and th- there's mm. nothing really that warns you it's going to happen, but things just will change suddenly. And I think that that was a very kind of striking realization for me and kind of an unsettling aspect yeah, of the film. These, these first two, um, how are we, I guess we'll call them shorts. Um, sure. Sec- segments. Um, are the ones that reminded me the most of my own dreams. Yeah. And sort of the the weeping dreaming or the weeping weeping demon which we'll get to later. But right. um yeah, you're right. These these definitely um I don't know. They like st- really struck a chord with me. I was like, "Damn, this guy like I'm curious to see other filmmakers try and do this because it's got to be like it's got to take some skill to be able to act- actually like make something feel like a, a dream like make a film yes. feel like a dream yes. i mean david lynch does that but like i don't yeah. know it, it it just seems like a very uh like it, almost it, it's yeah it's hard to do it truthful i think yeah where, like a faithful truthful you know representation mm-hmm. of of like what an actual dream is like yeah it's it's e- i think it's easy to make something weird for weird sake but hard to make it feel like an actual dream you're having right mm-hmm. um how cool would it be if you were a director and you were able to do this? <laughs> you were able to get have a studio give you money to be like, yeah, you can make a movie that's based on your dreams. Dude, not even that, but like for Sunshine Through the Rain, Kurosawa built a near replica of his childhood home. So like yeah. they gave him money to like recreate something really precious to him. You know, like that's man what a what a great uh you know that's just that, that's great for for a guy who spent his whole life giving so much to like the the medium of film like that's such a great payoff you know to get to do something like this yeah it's pretty cool um let's see the blizzard mm-hmm. uh we start out at a dairy queen yeah, <laughs> uh, a group yeah. <laughs> of four mountaineers struggle up a mountain path during a horrendous blizzard. It has been snowing for three days, and the men are uh, dispirited and ready to give up. 
One by one, they stop walking, uh, giving in to the snow and sure death. The leader endeavors to push on, but he too stops in the snow. Uh, a strange woman, um, the Yukiona of Japanese folklore, uh, appears out of nowhere and attempts to lure the last conscious man into giving in his, his death. Uh, he resists, shaking off his stupor and her entreaties uh, to discover that the storm has abated and that their clamp their camp is only a few feet away yeah um yeah this <laughs> i kind of like this there's there's a i love this one yeah 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 he takes his he takes his time with some some uh moments in this movie and i don't mm-hmm. dislike it um mm-hmm. This one's great because the, the woman who's like this sort of snow witch or something, snow demon, who's trying to convince the man to die is like, she says like, it's it's actually warm out here. <laughs> Don't you think the ice <laughs> yeah, is, the hot? is hot? Yeah. And he's like, no. <laughs> it's like, that's not convincing at all. Just telling someone the snow is hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but but very good and very like really puts you in the in in the, uh, I you, Eric you know you're from the cold snow you got you said you got snowed in for uh, for the holidays, um, I've never been in something like this before like a blizz legit blizzard have you? Yeah, um, yeah for sure it's uh I mean like I this? <laughs> not uh, not in like not like hiking through a blizzard. I don't think, but uh, I mean, I've been inside mm-hmm. during blizzards. Mm-hmm. I've driven through them, um, right. and yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's just like uh, uh, weird to be in that situation, um, especially around people when like it's very easy to like die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. uh, or or like uh, crash your car or whatever. Um, right. But yeah. I've never, uh, I've never had like a vision of a uh, character from folklore, uh, Japanese folklore, appear to me though. Yeah. Yeah. One day. One day. Uh, let's talk about tunnels, my dude. Um, oh yeah. This discharge. one, I, I, I will say, it was my least favorite. Weirdly, I don't really know why, but go on. <laughs> Um, a discharged Japanese uh, company commander uh, is walking down a deserted road at dusk on his way back home from fighting in the Second World War. Uh, he comes to a large concrete pedestrian tunnel from which a barking and snarling anti-tank dog emerges. Um, the commander walks through the dark tunnel and comes out on the other side. Uh, he is following. He is followed by the Yuri ghost of one of his soldiers. Uh, Private Noguchi, uh, who has died of severe wounds in the commander's arms. Uh, Noguchi's face appears blue with blackened eyes. Uh, Noguchi seems to believe that he is dead. Noguchi points to a light emanating from a house on a nearby mountainside, which he identifies as being his parents' home. Uh, He is heartbroken, knowing he cannot see them again, even while... He remains respectful to the commander. Following the commander's uh, wish that he accept his fate, Noguchi um, returns into the tunnel. So, 
Kurosawa, I'm assuming he like served in some war or another, right? Oh, I'm yeah, I if yeah, I'm I'm sure he I'm look this up. Yeah. I will yeah, right. Um let's see. He uh Wartime films. Worked as the director of the Army's Physical Education Institute's Lower Secondary School. Uh. Yeah, he... Mm, maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't... Uh, do war. Be in war. He became a director... Sort of at the end of the war, mm. um, which is, I think, you know, yeah, his debut is around 1945, I think. Um, uh, 1942, maybe. Yeah, 1942. So the war's still kind of even going on. Um, yeah, I don't know, but... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Oh, wow, he's 33, too, when he first started. Not bad. Um, Yeah, anyway, so it's... uh, He is, I will say, though, uh, has a lot of war content. Mm. That's a bad way to put it, but you know what I mean. Like, he makes a lot of stuff about war, and a lot of... He has a lot of sequences about war. No, I mean, a lot of samurai stuff, but then also, like, you know... Uh, a lot of his characters maybe fought in the war. You know, he's, yeah. But, uh, so I don't know if this is pulling necessarily from personal experiences, but. Um, let's see here. Just to finish the uh, segment up, the commander's entire third platoon, led by a young lieutenant brandishing an officer's sword, uh, then marches out of the tunnel. Uh, they come back to a halt and present arms saluting the commander their faces two are coal colored blue the commander struggles to tell them that they are dead having all been killed in combat and says uh that he himself is to blame uh for sending them into a futile battle uh they stand mute in reply the commander orders them to turn about face uh and salutes them in a farewell as they march back into the tunnel uh, collapsing in grief, the commander uh, is quickly brought back to his feet by the reappearance of the anti-tank dog. Yeah, I think I agree with you. This isn't like it's not my favorite one for sure. It's um, it may not be my least favorite. I might I might have have another one that's I like less, but uh, this one is uh fun. It, it, it's like it's like a really kind of slow. It's a little slow. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. yeah. It's it's definitely slow and it's uh like a little bit sort of repetitive maybe yes, or it's sort of like I uh, like I feel like I understood what was the whole thing was going to be pretty right early away. on. Yeah. And then I was like okay. I'll, yeah. I like when they, I like when like the on. whole platoon comes out. That's like a fun yeah, visual cool. moment, but it's yeah. I, I, you know, I've never served. I, I, I have a hard time with military stuff. And yeah, me too. I don't, I don't me too. super always get 
the emotion I'm supposed to be feeling in the scene. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, crows. Yeah, this is the best one. <laughs> mm. An art student finds himself inside the work of Van Gogh's artwork where he meets the artist in a field and con- uh, converses with him. Van Gogh relates that he, his left ear gave him problems during a self-portrait, so he cut it off. Uh, the students lose a, student loses track of the artist and travels through a number of Van Gogh's works, trying to find him, concluding with Van Gogh's um, wheat field with crows. Wow. Eric is bored to tears right now, just no, yawning. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, having the, I'm drinking this like... Um, the opposite this of... This like health drink. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> it it has like uh, it, it's supposed to be like relaxing. It has ma- magnesium in it, oh. which I think is making me poisoned. <laughs> so Poisonous. yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, crows is this is my favorite one. Um, and it's also the one that has Scorsese in it. So I feel like since that's the reason why we're covering this film, it's the most important. You know that that's sort of the importance of this to, to our podcast. We could spend a second just talk, kind of talking about this one. Maybe blow through the rest of them if we if we need to sure. time. But uh, yeah, this one to me is the most visually kind of. St- they're all pretty visually stunning. I mean, even the ones I like less than others, like the tunnel, still very visually stunning. This one is the most. Uh, the footage was shipped over to George Lucas's company. He kind of helped make this look as cool as it looks. Uh, this movie came out in 1990 and you have like an actual live action person running through um, Van Gogh's paintings. And then you get to Van Gogh himself, who's played by Scorsese. And, you know, I've seen a lot of Scorsese stuff, interviews, him on set. This to me feels like him doing kind of an impression of himself almost. Like he's so daring and and uh, and committed and focused to what he's doing to the art, you know, and that sort of is the vibe I get watching Scorsese sort of direct in general, you know. But uh, I'm interested to know what do you think of this one? Uh, I thought it was awesome. I wish I was more of a knew a little bit more about Van Gogh, maybe. Um, but it was super cool. I mean, just in general to see someone, you get the idea of it, even if you don't, uh, like you're not super familiar with, uh, Van Gogh. Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's crazy, especially obviously when he's running through the, uh, the, you know, the wheat field, um, painting. Um, it just looks awesome. Uh, I, I can't help but think that if this was done by like an American filmmaker, um, now it uh-huh. would be like it would look way less cool because it would just be all like digital and, and you know oh, yeah. um i just think it looks uh really great like the just the fine details of like the paint like the swirls of the paint in the in the background you know what i mean like um really getting the that feeling that this is set that this guy is like walking around inside of a painting is crazy um, I think Scorsese uh, showing up in this um, is awesome. Uh, I think it's really cool that he, he... I mean, he's not just like a guy uh, 
like it's it's he's not just in this movie as like oh hey there's Martin Scorsese in this movie he's actually like playing a character that's pretty great but also there's some like extra meaning to it um just by way of like you know I'm in a way that Van Gogh is like inspirational to a lot of great painters or other artists. Um, I'm sure Kurosawa was like extremely influential on Scorsese and maybe even vice versa a little bit. Um, so it's, it's cool that it's cool that Scorsese is cast in this role in, in a, um, in a dream where, uh, you know, Kurosawa is like meeting his, uh, yeah, this like inspirational artist <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I have, I've, I, one of my recurring dreams, um, when I was a kid, it used to be, um, George Harrison. Uh, now I haven't had it in a long time, but it morphed into Tom Petty, but I would Whoa. see either one of the two in, uh, you know, Wayne, have you ever seen Wayne's world too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's the, you know, the, like, they they Wayne keeps having a dream where he's like in a desert with like Jim Morrison and a naked man or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that setting, but it's me um, with you know Tom Petty, and he's like yeah. telling me stuff. But um, <laughs> that's it's great. I love it. I love cool. that. Yeah. I wish I had a dream. See, I a lot of my dreams are more reflected in these other shorts i i I tend to not like if i had a dream where i like (laughs) i mean bob dylan's not dead but like if i met bob dylan and like we hung out at like a coffee i'd be like i'd be so psyched that'd be like that'd be great you know um but yeah and i do like that scorsese's like he's not playing a mobster you know (laughs) he's not playing somebody from queens or whatever he's playing a uh an actual character and just yeah i feel like I, I don't know if he shot this in Holland or, you know, but I feel like this, this, the look of also the natural places, not just the paintings, but like the bridge and the wheat fields, it, that, that very much feels different than the rest of the film as well, because, and I think it might be cause it's just shot in a different country. So it's uh, and it's cool. I don't know, man. It's this 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 whole thing is cool, but especially the I love the way this ends, which is, you know, Van Gogh sort of walking out of his own painting. He's like walking through it, and all the crows show up, you know, and yeah. then we kind yeah. of pop back out and see the the painting as Van Gogh saw it, you know. Um, I wonder how much of this. Uh, I probably should have look this up beforehand but i'm curious how much of like do you think kurosawa was like someone uh you know like like david lynch who has like a dp that he works with a lot and like a certain crew that he likes to work with i'd imagine maybe he is i'm I'm sure yeah i'm curious like how many of those people um were involved in this production because it's, 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 it's worth yeah. pointing out. I think the movie he did before this came out in like 85 or something. So there was a little bit of a gap there. Yes, right. Yeah. I, I and, and before that, there's a gap too, I think. Like he just, yeah, he worked a lot less towards the end of his life. And then he made, and then he made like three films in the 90s kind of back to back, 
which is cool. But yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I, 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 it would be interesting to look. I, I, I am an, a, a Kurosawa novice myself, so um, wish I knew, but I don't. Um, let's see here. Are we good on dreams? I think or, so. Or uh, on, on Dr- crows? Crows, yeah, I think so. Mount Fuji in red. A large nuclear power plant near Mount Fuji has begun to melt down. The sky is filled with red fumes and millions of Japanese citizens flee in terror towards the ocean. Eventually, two men, a woman, and her two small children are seen alone at the edge of the sea. Uh, the older man, who is dressed in a business suit, explains to the younger man... Uh, that the rest of the population have drowned themselves in the ocean. He then says that the different colors uh, of the clouds blow, uh, billowing across the rubbish shrewd landscape signify different radioactive isotopes. Uh, according to him, red indicates plutonium-239, which can cause cancer. Yellow indicates uh, strontium-90, strunt- uh, which causes <laughs> leukemia. And... Uh, Purple indicates cesium-137, which causes birth defects. He then, then remarks about the foolish futility of color-coding such dangerous gases. Uh, the woman hears the descriptions, recoils in horror before angry, uh, angrily cursing those responsible and the pre-disaster uh, assurances of safety they had been given. Um, the suited man displays con- contrition, uh, suggesting that he is in part responsible for the disaster. The other man dresses casually, watches uh, the multicolored radioactive clouds advance upon them. When he turns back toward the others uh, at the shore, he sees the woman weeping. Uh, the suit-clad man has leaped to his death. Uh, a cloud of red dust reaches them, uh, causing the mother to shrink back in terror. Uh, the remaining man attempts to shield the mother and her children by using his jacket to feebly fan away the radioactive billows. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the same actor who plays the dreamer um, mm. throughout all of these uh, films. And I, this is about the this is about the time of the movie where I start to feel like really bad for him because <laughs> he's like. It, well, I mean, it's, it starts with the blizzard, I guess. It's like the blizzard, the tunnel, this, and the weeping demon. It's just like he really goes through some hell here. But uh, yeah, this one's um, this one's w- super obviously uh, sort of has a political, I guess, stance. It's kind of saying something about you know the nuclear war, the nuclear race you know, um, and just, uh, what that's doing to the environment. Yeah. I, 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 uh, there's, cause there's another one of these, uh, we get to later. Um, this is a theme we get, we get a couple times and I, uh, I like this theme. I think it's, I mean, you know, like, uh, living in Japan during the period of time that Kurosawa lived there. I'm assuming he lived there for a long most of his life um maybe not but um either way it you know um this is uh it, it definitely something i would dream about if i if i was like yeah. around uh you know around this happening if you had lived through like also like a nuclear attack yeah on your own country i would yeah. definitely have nightmares about it uh-huh 
Um, um, I like this uh, whole thing about the gases and which color. I didn't know that <laughs> before this. Um, me neither. But uh, yeah. um, the futility too. It's like such a dream thing where you're trying to like save something inevitable from inevitably happening. The futility of him trying to hide, like, w- like <laughs> fan away the gas from the li- the woman and her children, yeah, is so terrifying, you know, because it's like obviously it's not working. The gas just covers them completely, but his his desperate attempt is really sad, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely definitely sad. I hope I hope like I hope. This isn't based too much on like personal experience, but maybe yeah, maybe, me too. Maybe it is. Well, um, yeah. Next, we get the weeping demon. Uh, a man finds some, which is my favorite drink, by the way, when you're at a bar. Mm, mm-hmm, um, yeah, order the weeping demon. You know what I did the other night, or you know, like a week or two ago, is uh, I ordered at a bar. I thought this would be really funny, um, <laughs> but it just resulted in the bartender being like, "What." <laughs> um, I ordered a a Pepsi sour. <laughs> Sick. And then I committed to it, and I drank I drank a Pepsi mixed with sour, and it was uh it was okay, not bad. That's um, really funny. The weeping a demon. A man finds himself wandering around a misty, bleak mountain mountainous terrain. Uh, he meets an Ani-like man who is. Uh, actually, a mutated human with a single horn on his head. The demon explains that there had been a nuclear holocaust, which resulted in the loss of the nature and animals. Towering dandelions taller than humans and humans sprouting horns. He elaborates that by dusk, the horns cause them to feel excruciating pain. However, they cannot die, uh, so they simply howl in agony, agony during the night. Uh, many of the demons were former millionaires and government officials who are now in Buddhist style suffering through a hell uh, befitting for their sins. Uh, The demon warns the man to flee. When the man asks where he should go to, the demon asks if he too wants to become a demon. The horrified man then runs away from the scene with the demon in pursuit. This is one of my favorites. I I actually like this one quite a bit. Um... I like the sort of the, I guess the theme behind it, the message behind it, and also just seeing like those big old dandelions. <laughs> it's cool. The yeah. set is really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, this is great. Again, it's sort of like uh, you know, I the, the the structure of this film, even though each one is episodic, it kind of goes like childhood, obviously into like the change like what a young man's life sort concerns are you know i feel like like the blizzard you could say is oh this is like a you know three young men on like a hiking trip or like trying to do some sort of you know uh trip together and then the tunnel is like you know oh they're all they all have to go to war and the crows is like sort of, you know, you, you wrestling with art and like kind of like your career and stuff. But then Mount Fuji and the weeping demon, it starts to get into like the later life concerns of a human being of like, you know, 
uh, bigger environmental concerns and like, and like almost like natural disasters and war. And then the weeping demon, it's like about like the fear of like, you know, basically becoming this monster um, because of, you know, I'm sure Kurosawa, I don't know this to be true, but I don't know if he was broke. You know, he might, I think he probably was, did pretty well for himself. And, this this idea of former millionaires and government officials like uh this this sort of end coming to them is something he like runs away from in the end and it's kind of like a like he's running into old age or something and and, and it it kind of takes the shape of a person's life in a way yeah yeah i i guess i didn't um think about that that it, that it's um it is kind of going, I guess, maybe chronologically throughout his, throughout his life. Um, that's a good point. Cause yeah, it is interesting to see how the themes go from like something, you know, pretty like fantastical. And then like the second one is about like peach trees. Um, right, now we're yeah. covering, you know, we're covering the war and we're covering, uh, you know, nuclear, uh, Holocaust. Pollution. Yeah. 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 Um, Yes. This one's good and then, though, and I love the performance of the main demon here. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Um, and then we arrive, Jeremy, at the village mm. of the waterfalls. Uh, yes. Man enters a peaceful, stream-laden village where he sees children laying flowers on a large stone. He meets an elderly wise man who is fixing a broken water mill wheel. The elder informs the younger man that residents of the village simply refer to it as the village. Uh, and that outsiders call it the village of the watermills. Um, when the younger man inquires about the lack of electricity in the village, the elder explains that the people of his village decided long ago to forsake modern technology and laments the notion of modern convenience and the pollution of nature. Uh, the younger man asks the elder about the stone which children were placing flowers on, the elder tells the man, uh, or tells him, that long ago an ailing traveler died on that spot. Uh, the villagers buried him there and placed the rock there as a headstone. Ever since, it has become customary in the village to offer flowers there. The younger man uh, and the elder hear the sounds of a funnel. Uh, funeral a uh, procession for an old woman nearby. Rather than mourning for her death, uh, the people in the procession celebrate joyfully the peaceful end of her long life uh the elder goes to join the procession and the younger man leaves flowers on the stone before departing the village um yeah this one's cool this one it's also like now that you bring up that this these are kind of going in order you know it's kind of it's it's nice to have to end you know presumably like i guess if we are to assume that this is kind of like uh, captures maybe some of the dreams Kurosawa has after this long life. Um, seems like a very wise. Uh, it seems like it's got a good message to it. It seems like it was you know the dream of someone with a lot of uh, a lot of wisdom. So it's cool, and also the dream of like an old man that just doesn't like technology. Yeah, right. Or, or like a, the dream of, uh, you know, somebody who's coming towards the end of their own life, you know? Sure. It's It's got this kind of 
very positive outlook on death, this very meditative sort of view on nature and, and, and death and, and life and um, befit. It's a befitting ending to what has been such a roller coaster. It's also such a, uh, such a reprieve from, you know, the one, two punch of Mount Fuji and red and the weeping demon that are so dour, you know, and then this is such an uplifting sort of, little nugget to take with you. Um, Really great. Really great. Um, Was Looney Tunes Warner Brothers? Yes. Okay, good. I was, I, I keep thinking about the Bugs Bunny joke I make. I made. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, I've been there, brother. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yes. I'll edit this all out. Um, Uh (laughs) Jeremy, uh, you know, we started as a Chucky for a Chucky podcast um so why don't you rate this movie out of four chucky freckles oh dang man this movie is great i i think i want to have to give her a nice uh let's see here um this is a this is a definitely a 3.25 for me i don't i i think it, it doesn't for me the film is um just so beautiful and so fun and um such a great exploration of and and i think like an ode to different kinds of cinema and it's cool to see Scors- uh kurosawa in the 90s it's cool to see scorsese in a role like this working with another master of cinema so i'm 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 i'm, I'm I, I really love it it's a 3.25 gets a 2.5 or a 0.25 uh uh, over shine a light. Mm. Um, I think, let me just make sure. I think this is my only 3.25 score. I've given a film in the Sandler Scorsese verse. Wow. Burn after reading also got a 3.25. <laughs> not bad. Not bad yeah, at all. Not bad. What about you? I will give this, uh, I'll give it a three. Point five. Um, I think it is. Uh, I th- the only thing that like, made me uh, the only like negative uh, thing I have to say about this movie is I didn't, and maybe this is my own fault. I didn't know what it was going into it, mm-hmm. and when I was watching that uh, first, uh, you know, vignette. I was like paying really close attention to like, okay, this whole Fox thing is probably going to come back up. And like these, this is probably like the origin story of something that's going to happen later that I need to know about. And, um, I kind of realized, um, you know, it's kind of like in MacGruber where he spends the first like 20 minutes assembling a team, uh, 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 to go on this mission. And then, uh, they get in a van and it blows up and they all die. Right, um yeah, yeah. well it's <laughs> yeah. not really like that at all but um yeah i don't know i don't uh i don't know why i'm giving it a 3.5 for some reason it doesn't feel necessarily like a four for me but um no i get yeah, that really like good. yeah it's it's great it's like uh you know it's not perfect but it's like really good oh yeah um speaking of real good uh jeremy next week we're back to uh sandler and i believe we're talking about the cobbler the 2014 film, The Cobbler. Wow. 
We are we're already at the cobbler, huh? <laughs> uh, yes, I believe so. Maybe. So this is gonna be fun. I, you know, it, there are two films that you mostly hear people saying are the, not just the worst films Adam Sandler's ever made, but the worst films of all time. The two films are Jack and Jill and the cobbler. So this and we this, didn't hate Jack and Jill. No, as no, much as we, I expected. Dude, I think Jack and Jill is a triumph compared to some of the other ones we've covered. Yeah. Like, just go with it, I think, is a, a much worse movie. I kind of think, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. And, yeah, Bedtime Stories is worse than Jack and Jill, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rain Over Me is worse. Spanglish is worse. But anyways, uh, so this might be the worst film Eric and I have ever covered. I maybe it. We'll see if it's worse than the Paul Paul W S Anderson movies we've covered. That, I that, bet the, it's not. Yeah. I, <laughs> I bet, bet it's, it's not. not. Yeah, I bet it's not. Because also, I really like the. So this always. I never saw it, but it always confused me because Tom McCarthy, the writer director of the film The Cobbler, has only done great stuff uh, to that up to that point. He he directed. Uh, uh, win win. He directed uh, 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 I th- yeah, win win. Um, uh, and I think station agent. Okay, he was a writer for the station agent, which oh, and directed it. Yeah. Uh, he also did um, uh, the visitor. Uh, he made spotlight which one best picture. <laughs> so this is sort of a weird film in his like overall, you know, filmography. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, put your shoes on and watch the cobbler for next, uh, next on. episode. Sign up for that. Um, Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy and Norma. I'll see you in my dreams. Thank you.